0: And welcome to Start Right Here, a podcast where we discuss breaking in, standing out, and the path to success in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope the conversations I have with my guests inspire you to forge a path of your own. Let's get started. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Andrea Fairweather. She is the founder and CEO of Fairweather Faces, the very first mobile makeup platform. If that's not enough, she is the first woman of color to be the key makeup artist on Good Morning America. We're gonna talk about her career journey and learn some exciting things about how she's used makeup to build a business. Welcome, Andrea.
1: Thank you, Corinne. Thank you so much for inviting me to your amazing platform. Can you give us your 30-second bio? Sure. Let's get this done in a nutshell. First, I am a trained dancer and actress. I was blessed to train at the Alvin Ailey American Dance Center and then from there moved to the High School of Performing Arts as a dance major. I thought I was going to be a superstar, but then there was a pivot uh, shift in my career choice and then I moved to makeup. I started on the department floor for various cosmetic lines, and then realized I needed to branch out and do my own thing. So I created Fairweather the Faces Traveling Beauty Services. In 1997, we launched as the pioneering business that laid the groundwork for the mobile beauty industry. Since then, I've become a patented inventor a few times over for an invention that shows um, the everyday person how to create my celebrity makeup looks. I'm an entrepreneur and inventor and a celebrity makeup artist and also a film producer.
0: So you already talked about beauty being a pivot. You thought you were going to be a superstar. But do you think that beauty was a destination or a detour?
1: For me, it was a detour. I mean, I always had it in me from a child in terms of being fascinated with color. Always from the age of about nine, started doing my nails, like really Seriously, like painting nails and understanding colors and, you know, graphics and placement. But I didn't even know that that could be a career. I thought that was just like a passion, like a hobby sort of thing. I didn't realize that makeup and artistry in that way could actually be a viable career. So I went to my other talent, which was to dance. And, you know, luckily I trained quickly and got into performing arts high school, which is now LaGuardia. But the detour came in college. I was studying again, still to be a dancer. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into a dance company. I knew I wanted to do like Broadway and film and act, but I took a really serious fall one day in a dance class and tore up my ankle. And the funny thing about detouring is that you really don't know how God is going to set things up. And it was detrimental for me because I was so young, but I just didn't know that. You know, the universe in a lot of ways will bless you with more than one talent. And sometimes it takes a hurt for you to realize what else is implanted for you to do. And so I really had to sit with myself quietly, although upset, and really think, well, what else is it that I do like to do? And so the spirit told me take a business management class. That had nothing to do with my curriculum. It didn't even make sense. But the spirit told me, take a business management class. And so I did. And at the end of the class, the professor said, well, I need for you all to do a presentation of a business model that doesn't exist that you think others would like. I swear, I quickly threw that thing together. I was like, oh, well, what if there was a business that traveled to your home or office and provided mobile makeup, hand nails, and massage therapy on site? And I kind of like did this pitch and then sauntered off and sat down at my desk like, okay, daggone, I did it. And she literally walked up to me and leaned in and said, if you can make that business model happen, you'd be a genius. I sat on it for like seven years because there was no business model out there. None. It was before the internet really started picking up. And I was researching literally in the library, looking to see is there a mobile beauty business? And there wasn't. So I had to literally build
0: Fairweather Faces from the ground up. So what's interesting about that is so you had this injury and you decided to pivot and you thought of the business model almost before you became a makeup artist. That's exactly right. How did you shift into building the craft of makeup artistry? Right. Well,
1: what I did was I really had to kind of like, because I had my foot in two worlds. I figured, okay, I'm not dancing right now, but I'll do music videos just to stay loose and open and just in case someone calls and just in case a break happens to come that way. Then at the same time, I started going to class. Um, back then, they had certified classes at El Maquillage in the city. Yes. So I was studying there. And then at the same time, to make money, doing freelance jobs for Clinique and Bobby Brown, all these different makeup companies going counter to counter in the department stores to start to see, do you like that world? How are your talents? Are you really as good as you think you are? That whole thing. So I was straddling two worlds at once. And then finally, I realized, you know what? You need to kind of kiss the performing goodbye for right now. And you really need to just focus on developing your talents as a makeup artist to then be able to move to start your own business.
0: People know El Maquillage now because it's come back out. But at the time that we're talking, El Maquillage was this dope boutique. Yes. On East 60th Street. Yes. 50th Street, something like that. <laughs> and the right. woman who owned it's name was Alana Harkavi. And she had a salon in there on my first day of work at L. I was sent to Il Maquillage because we used to have to match colors from photographs. Right. I was sent to Il Maquillage to pull makeup, <laughs> to match <laughs> photography. And I met Alana Harvey.
1: Yeah. And what I thought was so genius, what she did back then, which makeup lines really need to do now, and which is what I've been doing, is you've got to have some type of makeup instruction. I don't think it's enough to just put a line out there and then you don't give the guidance of how to create the looks. I mean, looking at products is amazing and wonderful, but if a person really doesn't know how to use it, they kind of like discard it and go, oh, well, I guess i you know, wasted my money on that. And what she did that was genius was had the students where you can become certified to be a professional makeup artist. That was
0: brilliant. For the industry. And I had no idea that that program existed. So thanks for sharing that. So that's how you came to become a makeup artist. Your first jobs were sort of freelancing at counters at department stores. Did you end up working directly for any brands? I did. So it started off with me freelancing for Clinique.
1: And they had what was called at that time the AC program, the associate consultant, where you would be kind of like a support team to go into various counters. It was Macy's, Bergdorf's, Bloomingdale's, Saks. You go into these stores for a couple of hours and you help support the team that's already there to create additional sales. And you're like the floating makeup artist, salesperson for each line. So I did it for a Clinique and then I ended up landing at Bobby Brown, which was my last line before leaving and launching Fairweather Faces.
0: When did you start the celebrity makeup artist? And, and was Fairweather Faces before becoming a celebrity makeup artist? Tell me about which came first. Fairweather
1: Faces did the year before. Working with celebrities for me didn't start until the year after, in '98. Fairweather Faces came first and it was for the masses and it still is. It was never deemed a business that I focused on where I said, well, we just want to work on celebrities. No, ma'am. It was designed for the working, female and male, that wanted to be groomed and pampered and polished and even got makeup and grooming instructions in the comforts of their home or office, wherever they needed the services provided, the mobile beauty and grooming team would solely and strictly travel to them so that they could feel like their own celebrity and feel special if they needed the service.
0: What did you learn doing the freelancing, working with Alana, that set you up for success to launch Fairweather Faces?
1: I learned from taking classes, which was my foundation, um, and Alana watching her, how important it was to be able to humble yourself in a setting that allows you to absorb information. I thought the skills or the foundations to be a talented makeup artist. You need guidance. And so she was already experienced. So I sat there and I was extremely quiet in class. I really didn't talk much. I just wanted to absorb as much as I could. And from her, I learned branding, how you could take instruction and then build out a line from that. And then if marketed well, and also word of mouth, if it was good enough that the people would get it and would come and would want it. So I learned that, but I was extremely quiet and very humble, almost kind of like a church mouse, like really didn't talk much because I just wanted to absorb as much as I could during that time. And also I was quite vulnerable. I was really vulnerable because I was afraid. You know, I had this monumental vision in my mind, not knowing how to execute it. There was no business model and I was really restricted in a lot of ways due to fear. It took seven years from the time of me taking that college class all the way to the moment of actually launching it was a good seven years, primarily because of fear. And secondly, there was no business model to follow. I had to build it out. Let's talk
0: about working as an entrepreneur. How did you find a team? Because you weren't just makeup, you were offering many services. So how did you assemble that team? Initially, everything
1: as it still is now is through prayer and spirit with me. I was already on the floor for Bobby Brown, and I knew that the trigger was coming that I was going to announce that I was leaving. I didn't tell them why. I just said, I need to do my own thing and start my own business. Wish me well if you want. But I was watching other artists on the sax floor and watching how they were in terms of personality first. And then talent. Were they talented? Did they talk too much? Were they personable? How were their sales? And so there were maybe two that I really, really jived with. And I asked them, I said, you know, if there was a business that was mobile, that it was an ever-changing environment, would you join the team? And they said yes. So I started that way. And then also referrals, like asking, is there anyone else you know that you think will be a good fit? Because we had to, like you said, it wasn't just makeup. It was makeup, hair, and nails, and massage therapy to build out in all those different departments. So really, Fair with the Faces was built through referrals. Referrals. As you were doing this,
0: what skill did you pick up as an entrepreneur that you didn't know you needed? Yeah.
1: The skill that I picked up that I actually realized I had all along from the dancing days and, you know, putting together shows and choreographing for my friends is leadership skills. Like, I believe that others find me to be a good leader, but I think that. Ever since I was a child, I realized that I have a way of galvanizing and making people believe in a vision. And so I really do believe that with me, the success of Fairweather Faces came because I just had such a strong vision and I was able to galvanize the troops and make them believe that the world needs this and they need us to execute it. So let's do
0: this thing. Excellent. Part of Fairweather Faces is also your products. Tell me about the development of your product line.
1: Okay. The product line, yeah, you hit it on the head. The services came first, way first. never even thought about a product line. I didn't want to touch a product line because to me, the industry was already saturated enough. I thought with so many products, I just didn't know or even want to fit in in that way. I figured that Fairweather Faces services were enough to be able to say, we've, created a great space within the beauty industry, and this is good enough. But colleagues started coming to me back in 2007 with these thoughts of, Andrea, you know how to teach really well, and you're always sketching these little like face charts for clients to take with them. If they can't take you with them on a flight, to do their makeup, why don't you create something? And I just, like at first I just couldn't see it. And I'm the type of person that if I can't see it, then I can't do it. Then all of a sudden, Corinne, it just kind of like made sense. Like what I was already doing was laying down the groundwork for what would be the travel size face charts. And then I created the makeup brushes that go with it. And then in 2016 came the actual, product line of the lipsticks and the eyeshadows and all those things to match it. So it then became kits,
0: like these makeup tutorial kits. Where did the patents come in? Because, you know, getting a patent is a huge endeavor and being approved for a patent is major. Child, let me just say this. (laughs) If someone
1: told me, I would have been like, okay, let me rethink this thing you are so right. Patents are no joke. And I thought that it would take like maybe a good solid year of doing work. No, ma'am. Patents, from the time you submit, take at least five to seven years if you're lucky for them to be approved. So we have under our belt five. Wow. Tell me about them because this is a major. So from the time that, like I said, my friends started coming at me, colleagues to start. That was like in 2008. So it was around that time that I started the patent submissions. And for me, the patent submissions initially were not because I'm not a patent attorney. I just did it on my own and submitted by the grace of God. I got a call from an angel at the patent and trademark office that said, listen, you've got a shot at submitting this properly. You've got the bones, but you need a patent attorney to submit it the way the patent office will really look at it and possibly approve it. I was like, oh my goodness, really? So I sought out a patent attorney. He was the very last person that said yes. All the patent attorneys before that said no, can't see it. It was like a list of six. He was the very last person that listened to my pitch and said, you're the most passionate person I've ever heard present to me. Let's do it. And so I'll give him a shout out. Kevin Corin is the patent attorney that submitted all of my patents and got each and every last one approved. An arduous task. I had to start the process and he said to me, listen, I am really surprised you did three quarters of the work that we need done. So you saved yourself a lot of money on the front end because I submitted it like a thesis. It was submitted literally like a thesis. I just did what made sense. I broke everything down in very detailed format, the functions, the purpose of it, the function of each brush, how they match to the face charts. And then he took it from there. And then he summarized it the way it needed to be presented to the Patented Trademark Office, and that's what got us through. What exactly is patented? Your brushes and your face charts? Yes, two things the face chart is a patent by itself because it's a way of teaching how to apply makeup the second thing is the function of the makeup brushes because they match the face chart so they're the accessory to it that help to match the color coded system that's created through the charts and then finally in different areas you have the utility division which is the color-coded system. So you have like the makeup brushes, match the face charts, and then you break it down from there. So it's in all these different divisions of how these functions work. And that's how we were able to get all these different patents approved.
0: Start Right Here is brought to you by Beauty Biz Camp, where we equip and inspire the next generation of industry leaders. Head over to our website, pdbiscamp.com, for more information and sign up for our mailing list so you can stay in the know about our upcoming programming. How did you come to work with celebrities? So you're doing your thing with the Fairweather Weather Face, your mobile business. A little while later, you start building these patented products. So how did that come to pass? So, yeah, that's exactly right how it went. So
1: when I decided, okay, you know what, let me just step off the floor for Bobby Brown. And I had no additional income coming in. We're moving on faith now. This is for real. I walked out of Saks. I looked up, they had like this gold clock and I walked out the door for the last time and said, Jesus, if this is meant to be, please don't allow me to have to come back in here unless it is through some kind of Way with fair weather faces. Let's just do this. I'm trusting you. So I walk out and about a month later, it was giving me time to really like galvanize, to get the team going, to reach out to clients, to try to get the money coming in that way. That I ended up getting a call on a Thursday night about 7 p.m. And that's considered late for early morning television. It's very late. And they said, listen, we got um, your number from a producer on the show that you would be a good fit. Can you come in tomorrow and start as one of the makeup artists at Central Park for the Good Morning America Summer Concert Series? And I said, yes, I will be there. It was a 5 a.m. call. I said, I will be there. It was like pitch black midnight in Central Park. I found my way backstage with my makeup kit. I set up. I was ready to go. And the first person that sat in my chair, the first male celebrity was... Roger Daltrey from The Who. He was the first one to sit down. And from there, I was nervous as all get out. The sweat was trickling down my back. But I pretended I was supposed to be there and pretended that I was seasoned to do it. And it was wonderful. And then they just kept calling. They called for the Monday and then the Tuesday and then the Wednesday. And they just kept calling until finally they
0: made me an offer to take the position. So it's like you jumped in the deep end.
1: Oh, yeah. The call came and I jumped in. I was like, I'm not talking myself out of this. I'm not coming with all that doubt. I'm going in this thing as if I belong there. And that's
0: how it went. What do you think you learned along the way that prepared you for that moment?
1: I learned that even though the fall came when I injured myself way back when and I thought I was supposed to be going in one direction, I learned that fearlessness and the courage and the tenacity, all that came from me accepting that phone call and being able to execute, all came from the training that I had in the dance, the acting, all of that and the makeup lessons from El Maquillage. all came together to strengthen me, to be able to execute. That's what I learned, that it all made sense and that they would all come together
0: at some point. So discipline and training, even though it might not have been in the training of discipline and the consistency that you had to apply, you took it and brought it to another industry.
1: And you know what? That's exactly what I did. But what was so mind-blowing with that is it all made sense. Because Fair With The Faces would end up being this unique business, but it all made sense because I needed every single last one of that training to be able to do it. I needed to know how to pitch. I had to use my acting skills with improv. I had to know how to get up, even though my body was aching and I was tired. That's what that ballet bar was. And that was me on point in class. I had to learn to follow through, have a plan. You don't know how... You're going to get it done in the middle, but then you execute it at the end. That's all that Alvin Ailey training, getting across that floor, learning those dance combinations. That's what all that training was for. I'm making this up as I go along. I'm doing what makes sense, but it's working. Let's talk about like the
0: current landscape right now. How has COVID and all of this impacted your business? And are you thinking of pivoting in new ways because of it?
1: Yeah, COVID. Wow. COVID really did. Um, it did a number on us. And I wasn't exactly certain what it would look like because I, like everyone else thought that, oh, this will we'll be down for about a month and we'll be okay. And then it turned into two months, then three months. And I'm like, uh oh, so COVID did a couple of things. The first thing was it halted everything. It halted everything in terms of us being able to touch the clients and service them. It then ramped up the social media presence. I was stuck before going into COVID, not understanding what the voice could be on social media, that platform. And I actually was encouraged to sit down with a brander. Before COVID came, about literally a month. We finished our lessons a month before COVID came, and I was taking lessons one on one with a brander, with him explaining to me, you have to find your voice for Fairweather Faces within social media. And I just couldn't get there. I felt like I was too private of a person. I felt like I didn't want to put myself out there in the forefront. I felt like, would it look like narcissistic and he had to literally dismantle all my thoughts and show me step by step what was possible then COVID hit and i had to sit for about a good month in silence because now i don't know what to do we're not out there with the clients and i don't have a platform on social media so I went down for about a month, and then all of a sudden, the vision started coming for what was to become Sippin' Shop.
0: Tell the listeners about Sippin' Shop who have not had the opportunity to see it yet.
1: Right. Sippin' Shop started off with this idea to connect with the audience as a Saturday beauty break, a Saturday refresher, and a Saturday check in online, noon, like always at noon. On a Saturday, Eastern Standard Time, to just check in to see how everyone was doing, to give beauty tips and tricks. Um, We sip always a healthy drink. It's never an alcoholic-based drink, but something that maybe they would make at home. And then my husband is also a director with me on it and a producer. And we realized that Sip and Shop could be more than just that. It's also a platform to showcase my life, the training. Go back and pull in friends from high school that are successful actors and authors and artists because all of these people saw my development and know me from my childhood and teenage years. And, you know, Sippin' Shop could then be this platform to showcase others and give insight to their lives. And overall, it's a space to let others know that they're not alone in this thing, that others are feeling it. But this is a positive outlet that you can tune into
0: every Saturday. I noticed when you started having celebrities as guests. So these are people that you went to high school with, many of them. Or, you know, that you have personal relationships with. You're not just going out and booking celebrity for the point of celebrity.
1: No, not at all. These are people that I, yes, have um, personal relationships with that were right there in the evolution of the dance training, the acting. When I said, okay, I'm going to say goodbye right now to the performing arts and I'm going to move in this direction. They were right there watching me develop and find my voice, find myself try to figure out that vision, what's the new thing that Andrew is going to do. And then with them, seeing them stay on the path with their acting career and then pivoting to producers, which one of them, Reno Wilson, I was a producer on one of the films that he did. So he kind of like pulled me into that arena as a film producer. And then D'Andre Whitfield, who was an actor in performing arts, becomes this amazing actor, but now he's an author that's found a whole nother journey in his calling. It's amazing. So
0: yeah, that's what it is. I've seen a couple of the shows and I've watched you like trying out products and what rings true for me is the authenticity in it. So it's like you found your comfort in the platform because we're not digital natives. We were not born with uh, digital platforms as part of our lives. So For those of us who were not, sometimes putting yourself out there, even with this podcast, for example, putting yourself out there, it can be like a challenge. You almost get imposter syndrome. You do lots of things to block your path from going forward. So I commend you for doing it on Instagram because it's kind of like, oh, I'm here. I'm doing it. There's no backseats. I can't. I can't. Right. <laughs> Never
1: mind. <laughs> and I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's exactly what it was for me. Like I said before, if I can't see the vision, I can't do it. And so I was pigeon-held actually from even stepping out digitally for years, not knowing exactly where I could fit in and be able to use the brand, um, the Fair With The Faces cosmetic line as a through way to connect. But then it ends up being so much more because I felt like folks need it. And then at the same time, it's so funny because honestly, Sip and Shop is a total improv. Like we have the bones of what I'm going to talk about, but I'm telling you, girl, I sit there and I say a prayer before Eddie hits the start button, because we don't know which way that thing is gonna go. And it's a total improv, which it goes right back to the acting days of improv class. And then here I am all animated and I feel like a dancer all over again. So it's like all of that training is what folks get to see on Sip and Shop. And I am right there
0: with you because I don't know what the show is going to be. I really truly don't. So it's a full circle moment for you in lots of ways. You've pulled the path that you've been on is all for a reason. So you talk about divine appointment.
1: Yes, and showing up and trusting in the process.
0: Yes, it's lovely to have a plan. There are people who are planners and execute on plans and those things work out. But then there are those of us who have learned that you can have a plan, but then there's life. Thank you. And sometimes they don't align and you have to find the way
1: through. You have to find a way through, you gotta trust. And you also have to understand that you have to be open to the universe's signs, signals, and timing. You can have a plan and then that thing upsides in a way that's better than what you anticipated. There might be some heartbreak and disappointment in the way, but if you just take a second to just look at it and what's in front of you, you can then use your talents in another way that are even better than what your initial plan was, but you just have to stay open to it. And I also would advise those to not overthink it and talk yourself out of it. Cause I think every single entrepreneur, and I think you could attest to this that you know will go, oh okay, you know, this is what I want to do. And then you start overthinking and planning, and go, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then that just kind of like shrinks your voice down when you just gotta like pull the trigger on that thing and just take a chance and let your voice develop. Through the unknowing.
0: Yeah, that right there is a word. Let the voice develop through the unknowing because there is a lot of unknown that happens. And that also happens with developing product and all of these other things that you have a customer in mind, but the ideal customer ends up being someone else. (laughs) Someone else altogether. That's
1: right. And you got to go with it and just be grateful. Be grateful along the way. This is the last question in this section.
0: How do you know when a job or a client is just not the right fit.
1: Yeah, man, that was a hard one for me to learn, but I got it now. When developing Fairweather Faces, I became a total people pleaser for a couple of reasons. The first is I was just so happy that they called. And therefore we needed to service them under any circumstance. So if they um, were being mean-spirited, I was taking them. Hate to say it, but I was. If they weren't um, totally appreciative of the talents of the business, still holding on to them. Not understanding that you need to let certain clients go. If they don't um, respect the team and respect um, the the price point, you need to let them go. Um, And fear. Fear was a big one. Needing the money to consistently come in, not understanding that that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You need to let a client go if they are stressing you out, that the money doesn't balance it out. In truth, there's not enough money. If someone is stressing you out to no end. Actually, recently it just happened where, and this is COVID. Now we're in a situation where we need all resources coming in. And it would have been a lucrative paying job, but it became clear very early on that the client was not going to be a good fit. And so we had to decline. And uh, Korean, mm-hmm. when I tell you that I've had Fair With The Faces 23 years now, it took 23 years to be able to release and go to sleep at night and not hold guilt and stress and worry over that. And I'm trusting that God is going to bring the right clients to us, but it wasn't going to be financial now. We're not at a space where we could go, well, we don't need your funds. Of course we want it. Of course we want to work. We're artists. We want to work, but the stress of
0: that would have been too high a price. I love that. Doesn't matter how long it takes to get there, but you got there. I said it was the last question, but this is really the last question in this section. You're producing something. You and Eddie are working on a documentary. And I know you can't tell us all about it, but just drop us a little bit, a hint of what you're working on.
1: Yeah, I can drop a little hint because you, my dear, will be featured in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a documentary that's taken a long time to come surprisingly, I'm learning a lot along the way, but my husband is the director and executive producer along with myself. And it will be the story of how Fair the Faces came to be. How did this business come that in the end has influenced the world? How did this pioneering business come to forge what was to be the mobile beauty industry. And so we will tell the story of Fair Weather Fairness.
0: We hear about Glam Squad, but you got to understand that Black women thought of it first and did it first.
1: Yeah, baby. It's a story that people don't know, and they will be surprised and hopefully very proud of it. But we're going to tell a story of what it was. And that was way decades before any of those other businesses came to be. And we're going to tell the truth of what it is. And it's monumental. Yeah, it is. And I'm excited
0: for that. Let's move on to our fast-track questions. What was the first beauty product you ever purchased?
1: That was like in the fifth grade. I got like, I think it was from Cody, like one of those little tin lip glosses that you slide it and it had like all the flavors and it would like make it look all dewy and glistening. And I think if I remember, it was like cherry or watermelon or strawberry, one of those, but it was like a slide tin lip gloss.
0: Oh, I remember it. What's the last product you tried?
1: Oh, that would be Fair With The Faces, honey child. We just launched the, um, the fall beauty product. So yeah, I'm heavily into Fair With The Faces and the new lip pencils and the new face charts and all that. So it was Fair With The Faces.
0: Okay, definitely. What's the beauty advice you either live by or leave alone?
1: I live by going natural. I realize as I've gotten older, I'm my mother's daughter. My mother from a child was a very healthy eater and was always with the plants, using the aloe plant, putting it in her hair or her face, um, explaining to me that you need to drink a lot of water. You lay off those sodas and get the water and hydrate, explaining the importance of that. So I've become my mom in that sense. Like practicing more holistic beauty treatments and also in conversation with other fellow artists, they're doing the same thing. They're going more natural and we're giving and sharing tips with one another.
0: And what do you leave alone? What advice that might be commonly shared?
1: What I leave alone is following the masses. But I believe, and I've always lived this, I've always walked to the beat of my own drum whatever that looked like. And my mother did that once again, back to my mom, fourth grade. I was like, ma, the red sock or the blue sock? And she said, girl, wear both. Wear one sock on one foot and one on the other. Start a new trend. I was like, for real? She was like, yeah, if you believe it, they will. Okay, fine. (laughs) One red sock, one blue sock. That's how it's going down. So I don't follow the trends. I have to be aware of the trends. Yeah. But some things make sense to me and some things don't. And so I like pick and choose, but honestly, I like doing new things.
0: I love that. Who gave you the best career advice and what was it?
1: The best career advice I have to say was early on, and that was from Audrey Smaltz. Audrey is one of my huge mentor for me, the beginning stages of Fairweather Faces. And she explained to me presentation I think I came with a black towel. She told me, use white. And I said, why white? She said, because it's psychological. When clients see white, they think cleanliness. Black towel means you're kind of trying to hide stains and go white. So from there, there's always something white laid down before you lay down your brushes, before you lay down your cosmetics. So my setup is always white. And that is because of Audrey Smalls. And if you don't know her, please look her up because she's literally a living
0: legend. And this is the second time she's been mentioned on Start Right Here because she is that dope. She is that important to the conversation and I think to the advancement and development of many people's careers. The bottom line. Believe it. Yes. What was your most memorable mentorship experience, either as a mentor or a mentee?
1: I think I had it both ways. So mentors, Audrey Smaltz and Harriet Cole, both of them in the fashion beauty industry, but also at the same time, I really looked to them for entrepreneurial advice, guidance and support for them to continue to cheer me on that, Andrew, you're doing the right thing, keep going. So they were instrumental very early on in the development of Fairweather Faces on both of them and my mother and father. It will be disclosed in the doc how instrumental both of them were in the development of Fairweather Faces. Tremendous. And me, I think, in mentoring others, a lot of my artists from Fairweather Faces that went on, I'm so proud of them, that went on to develop their own businesses within the beauty industry, have come back to say to me, Andrea, thank you. I thought you were a crazy person when you were developing Fairweather Faces, but now I see. Why you got down on us so hard about being detailed about the way we provided services, the execution of everything. And so, just the thank you meant so much. From I'm telling you, numerous artists have come back to say thank you. So, that meant a lot the acknowledgement.
0: Great. What makes a makeup artist an entrepreneur? Because you're more than you're hyphen it, you do many things. So, what makes someone who does what you do? memorable
1: it's the combination of being able to bring two worlds together and make it make sense the artistry of the beauty industry and then the business world the entrepreneurship and being able to bring those two worlds together so that it makes sense and it seems seamless in a space that didn't exist And so I realized that I had it in me all along, not knowing it from a child. I was an entrepreneur with my little lemonade stand. I was a leader in bringing the kids together to put on a parade on the block. I was a budding makeup artist from loving colors and doing nails. And so I took all those talents and just figured out a way. And believe me, it took many, many years, but it finally came together to be able to use all those talents to serve the
0: masses. That's my calling. And it's a calling. See, the understanding a job versus calling is major.
1: Honey, it took me years to understand that. I realized that I didn't want to just do anything and not to take away from anyone, but I tried like when I really needed money, instead of taking a dance class, I sat in front of a desk and was a receptionist and was crying. Calling my mother on the side, crying, Mommy, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm an artist. Okay, give you two weeks' notice. We're going to get you out of there and go back to dance class and acting class. A job has sustainable funds coming in. Your purpose and your calling means that you are actually using your God given gifts to service and uplift others. And at the
0: same time, you're getting paid for it. That's powerful. Definitely. We don't always have the opportunity to pursue our calling, but when we do, there's just nothing like it. And I know that I am called to do the work that I'm doing now, to make sure that stories are told, that people have information to follow this path that people in the beauty industries, particularly Black and BIPOC people, have these opportunities because they have the information and they have the inspiration from the stories. And to understand that there's no one way to get there. So don't be discouraged by a setback, but keep pressing. That's all we can do keep pressing and understand what your calling is. Be faithful and stay focused, as I always say. Well, Andrea, I cannot thank you enough for just your time and your honesty and just your talent and your ingenuity and how you shared it with the world.
1: Oh, thank you, Corinne. And let me just say, my sister, that I did not forget when you gave me the opportunity to present The Fair With The Faces. It was in the initial stages of the patent evolution, if you will. It wasn't even past yet. It was about to be accepted and you allowed me to present on the digital platform for Essence. So I thank you for that because that was huge for us. So thank you so much. You believed very early on.
0: You know, that is probably the thing that I do miss about being an editor is being able to discover and showcase new talent. Not necessarily new product, but to give exposure to new talent and to new people so that everybody can find your audience.
1: And you know what? This is the new way you're doing it right now. Bam, you're doing it. <laughs> Bam.
0: So on that note, thanks again. You're welcome, along. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Remember that there's more than one way to the top. And the most important step is the first one. So start right here.